0: Let me ask you a question, let me start with this. Have you ever had a moment in your life where a I will never moment or a I will never commitment turned into, down the road, a I can't believe I did that moment? Um, You promised yourself, I will never do that. I will never do that again. And then you get down the road and you think to yourself, I can't believe I did that. I said I never would. I can't believe I did it again. You know, when we're uh, teenagers, there's something interesting that happens. You know, when we're little kids, we think to ourselves, I want to be just like mom and dad. And then we become teenagers, and we think mom and dad are the craziest people on the planet, and we start to say, I will never be like my mom or my dad. And so um, the same was probably true for me. And I remember when I was a, probably eight, nine years old, I had a younger brother who was a lot more defiant and rebellious than I was, at least that's my opinion of him. And uh, we were driving down the road one day, and my dad, being a police officer, said, Thad, I need you to put your seatbelt on. And Thad just looked at him and grinned. And he said, Thad, I need you to put your seatbelt on. And my dad never said anything more than twice, he didn't have to, and I just thought to myself, oh, this isn't going to end well. And you know, back then, my dad drove a 1970 Chevrolet pickup, and in those days, they didn't build things out of plastic or uh, cushion, everything was solid steel. The floorboard was uh, not carpeted, and in that moment, Thad's grinning at my dad, and my dad does what, you know, I expected he would do, he gives the brakes a little tap, And quickly, Thad goes from standing in the seat to laying on the floorboard of the pickup. And I think to myself, man, I can't believe my dad just did that. But kind of enjoying the moment because it is my little brother. But I remember thinking to myself many times, I'll never be like my parents because my parents are crazy. Fast forward to just a few months ago and uh, driving through Fairfield on my way home and both my boys are in the back seat. And I turn around and Camden is saying, hey, dad, can I take my seatbelt off? And I'm like, no, son, keep your seatbelt on. Dad, can I take my seatbelt off? No, son, keep your seatbelt on. We're still driving down the road and we'll be home in just, just a few seconds. And then I turn and I look and I see him, no seatbelt on, standing up in a seat. And I start thinking, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. And I get that look from my wife like, Wes, don't do it. What do I do? <laughs> Boom, hits the back of my seat. Now here's the difference. Back in my Brothers and I, as days, as children, things were solid steel. Today they're plush, they're soft, leather, cushioned, carpeted floors. So as he hits the back of my seat, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I just did that. And then I hear him say, do it again, Daddy, do it again. And I think to myself, man, this isn't working the same way it worked back in the day when I was a kid. But have you ever had that moment, that realization, that understanding in your life where you think, man, I... I said I would never do this. I would never become this. I would never pursue this. And then you find yourself in that place. And there's a lot of um, things we could look at that are pretty harmless, but there's some significant things in our lives. There's some habits, some tendencies, um, some behaviors that we find ourselves participating in that we thought at one time we never would participate in. And if we're really honest, it's really easy to get to a place where that becomes a really serious thing. And as we are wrapping up this breakthrough series this weekend, I want us to really um, press into that. I want us to really recognize what that is because the reality is, is, for many of us, when we found ourselves in that place, it can be incredibly painful. We begin to think about things like debt or hurt or anger, things that were produced because we found ourselves in a place where we said, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that again. And the mindset that we begin to take on is this. Who I am hates who I've been. When those moments from I will never turn into I can't believe I, we find ourselves in a place where we say who I am hates who I've been. And how do we navigate that? How do we move forward from that? How do we break through from that reality in our lives? And I think in a, in a room like this tonight, there's many of us that, are currently in that place. Maybe we've been in that place and we've, we've come out of that place and we find ourselves back in that place. Maybe we're stuck in the cycle of kind of ups and downs and we've never really fully been able to break through. And so I want us to look at some scripture tonight and gain some truth straight from God to understand how we can permanently break through this cycle or maybe this season that we find ourselves in. Because it's not a place that I believe that God wants us to be. And I also don't think that awareness of the situation is adequate for breakthrough. Something has to happen. We have to take a step. We have to do something tonight. And as we wrap this series up, I believe there's many here tonight, that something has to take place. Something has to be done in order for us to experience legitimate breakthrough. I want to start off tonight in just a couple of verses in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 29, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus is communicating in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, He's specifically talking about um, sexual sin. He's talking about adultery as he voices these couple of verses, but I think they're adequate and uh, relevant to to any situation in our life. Look what it says as we understand this tonight. It says in verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, so this is a, um, the word here is a recurring situation, something that continues to happen again and again and again. So he's saying, if, if this continues to happen for you, it becomes a, a predictable behavior, uh, a, a, a tendency that you have in your life. He says this, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now he's these are these are some pretty strong intense words. But Jesus is speaking into something that he believes is incredibly strong and incredibly damaging. You know, maybe for us tonight it's 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 an addiction. It's something that that has kind of held it's held us captive for months, maybe years. Maybe it's some relationship issues. Maybe it's this idea of I've got to have the approval of the right people. And sometimes it's people you really don't even like, but you're, you're hungry for their approval. And it's just this place you find yourself kind of enslaved to. And I think Jesus is speaking some words to us, some drastic, intense words to help us navigate that type of thing. Look what it says in verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus is speaking some truth, but he's speaking some uncomfortable truth. I mean, he's using the words like hell. He's saying, cut it off. I mean, this is, this is some pretty, tense, pretty intense verbiage, but I think the reality is for us tonight is if you're here tonight and you find yourself in a place where you would say, I am looking for real, lasting change, then I think these words are for us. If you find yourself in that place where you would say and you would admit that who I've been, who I, that I hate, who I am hates who I've been, I think these words are for us. He gives us some advice to experience breakthrough. And I wanna talk through just a handful of realities, some realizations tonight that I think we can understand as we look toward and pursue breakthrough. As we look at these two verses, I think the first thing that comes to mind is that breakthrough is drastic. Breakthrough is drastic. As we find ourselves in that place where who I am hates who I've been, if we want to experience legitimate life change, then we've got to realize that it's gonna be drastic. It's gonna require drastic measures. And This is something that we oftentimes become uncomfortable, but Jesus is saying, if you want to make breakthrough a reality in your life, it's going to take some drastic efforts. You know, um, several years ago, I was having a conversation with a student who was a junior in high school at the time. He's gone on. He's in college now. And um, it's a conversation that I find myself in often. And this particular guy was struggling with sexual sin, pornography, lust, and he finally, he just decided, he said, I, I don't like where I am, I don't like what this does, I just, I don't want to be like this anymore. And he said, what do I do? And I have that conversation with students and adults all the time. And I looked at him, and I said, man, this is, this is serious, this is significant. And I have a ton of respect for you for telling me that this is going on, but the real difficult part, the drastic things that have to happen are gonna help you really break free from this. And so we talked through that and he, told, he explained to me that he had a smartphone, that he had access to the internet, he explained to me that his parents had just bought him a brand new computer for his room and we, we talked through some specific drastic steps he was gonna have to take in order to break through this area of, of sin in his life. And so he went home the next day and he went to his parents and he said, mom, dad, I've gotta get rid of the computer. It's, it's just, it's wrecking my life. I've gotta get rid of my smartphone. So we went back to the flip phone. He made some drastic changes. And, and, and the sad thing is, is that story is more uh, a rare story because oftentimes when students come to me and we have that conversation, the drastic changes are really difficult to establish. But I have a ton of respect for this guy because he did, I think, what exactly Jesus is communicating here. It takes drastic measures to overcome some of these drastic behaviors and tendencies in our life. It's the idea that we're willing to do whatever it takes to step out of the season or the type of lifestyle we're experiencing. The next thing that I believe about breakthrough from this passage is simply this. Breakthrough is limiting. Breakthrough is limiting. For many of us, I don't think we ever experience true breakthrough, true life change because we're unwilling to put limits in certain areas of our life. Now this is just my assumption, I know that that's dangerous, but my assumption tonight would be this, the area of your life where you need to experience the most change is probably the area of your life where you're unwilling to put any limits. It's something that we don't enjoy doing. You do what you want to in this particular area or in those areas, you say to yourself, you tell yourself, you even tell others, I don't need to do anything. But yet, deep down, you want breakthrough in this area. You know, we all believe certain things, and I'll hear people say, well, I don't need a seatbelt. And and maybe you don't need a seatbelt until you do need a seatbelt. But you think, man, I don't wanna, it just, it makes me feel restricted, it makes me feel confined, I just don't need this. Maybe maybe it's a little easier to understand it like this. Um, I don't know how many of you are dog people. Um, I assume many of you have pet dogs. Let's just, for example, for illustration's sake tonight, say that you go home tonight and you decide that you want to do what's best for your dog, so you just turn him loose. Be free, Fido. Like, just, just go roam the neighborhood. Have fun, enjoy the best life. I believe that true freedom comes when you have no limits, no boundaries. Be free. Now no one in the room would sit here and argue with me and say that that's probably the best life for Fido because it's not. Fido needs some boundaries. Fido needs some limits. Fido needs to be protected. And the same is true for us. We benefit from boundaries. We benefit from limits in our lives. You know the reality is is we get freedom oftentimes confused. Freedom comes from limitations. If you you continue to live your life without any sort of limitation or boundaries put in place, you will be mastered by something. Scripture proves that to us over and over and over. No limits equals no freedom. The third thing that we find from this passage quickly is this, breakthrough is abnormal. Breakthrough is abnormal. I mean, think about this for a second. Jesus says, if your eye causes you to stumble... I mean, if you're continuing to fall into this behavior or you have this tendency about yourself or there's this addiction going on in your life and you continue to struggle with that, he's saying, you've gotta cut your hand off. You've got to gouge your eye out. There's nothing normal about that. I mean, just think about this for a second. You're hanging out with your friends one day you go home, you, you realize that this is an area of your life that you've got to change, and in this particular passage, he's talking about adultery, and let's just say that's the struggle. You come back the next day, and you've got, you're missing a hand, and you have gouged your eye out, and your friends look at you and say, man, what in the world happened? Who got a hold of you? And you just look at him and say, man, Jesus told me to do it. Your friends are going to look at you like you're crazy, because it seems crazy, Now, Jesus is not saying to literally cut your hand off and gouge your eye out, but he's trying to help us see and understand the importance of taking drastic measures in order to experience breakthrough in a specific area. Breakthrough is abnormal. We've got to make some adjustments In our lives. Uh, A few years ago, I decided that I was going to make some changes in my life. I was going to start trying to become more healthy. I wanted to start exercising. I needed to find something that would help me stay on a consistent routine exercising, and then maybe I would have more motivation to eat better and not eat so much junk food. And listen, being a student pastor, that's ridiculously hard. Because students like junk food, students like candy, they like Starbucks, they like Whataburger, and so there was this idea that every time we wanted to go hang out with students or go out with a small group or hanging out, they were like, let's go to Whataburger. man, I can't eat Whataburger. What's wrong with you, Wes? Have you lost your mind? You don't want Whataburger? Because the, 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 the reality is is that I always went to Whataburger. I always ate candy, I always drank Starbucks. It was what I wanted, it's what I preferred, but the reality for me is that something had to change because normal, wasn't working well for me anymore. And so I had to change. Breakthrough had to happen in my life physically by exercising and eating better. It was abnormal. And people noticed that. People were like, man, you've lost your mind. And listen, what's abnormal for you may not be abnormal for someone else. And oftentimes, as followers of Jesus, we can get stuck in this idea that I'm gonna do what's best for me, and then I'm gonna require that everybody around me do what's best for me and assume that what's best for me is what's best for them, and that's not always true. So we have to be careful there, but it's important for us to realize and recognize, I need breakthrough in this area. And it may look abnormal to those around me, but I realize that normal has gotten me to a place that I don't want to be. The reality is, normal is wrecking havoc in my life and in the lives of those around me. And We've gotta realize that if we want to experience breakthrough, breakthrough. Is abnormal. The next thing is simply this, breakthrough is permanent. I mean, I, let me ask you this, are you willing to gouge your eye out? Why does Jesus say gouge your eye out? I think it's important for us to see this because what he's saying is when you gouge your eye out, there's no going back. There's no reversing that. It's not like I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna realize that, you know what, Jesus said, I need to gouge my eye out. I'm gonna gouge my eye out and be like, hey, hey, Bran, do you, do you have any Ziplocs? I need to put my eye in the freezer just in case I wanna go back to this. This, 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 is, this is more than just trying it out. This is, this is permanent. This is a commitment. It's the difference between fixing and changing. Fixing is to kinda make some adjustments but really not commit to full change. Think about it like this. Think about it in marriage. That's a permanent commitment. Nobody goes into marriage and says, I'm committed for just a little bit. Let's just try this out. That's the difference that Jesus is talking about. He's saying permanently decide, permanently commit that something has to change. There's no going back. We try things because we're skeptic of the change that it might bring. But we commit to to things when we're confident and what really will happen as a result of the change that we're willing to take on. But that's how we think sometimes. We just wanna, let, I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna see if this is gonna work. I think what Jesus is communicating to them and to us tonight is that change is permanent. Change is a commitment. It's not something we just kinda touch our toes in the water. It's something we go all in for life. The next thing is simply this, breakthrough is painful. I mean, Jesus is a, explaining an incredibly painful scenario through this word picture. It's painful, and we struggle with that. As Americans, this is, this is America, this is land of the free, home of the brave, home of the lazy boy. I mean, we make decisions based on how comfortable life is gonna be. We, we decide on hotels and where we're gonna spend the night based on comforters and based on mattresses, and by whether or not the air conditioner will crank down to 65, we, we make decisions based on comfort. But nothing about what Jesus says here tells me that breakthrough and legitimate change happens as a result of being comfortable. We have to ask ourselves the question, will it be pain on purpose, or will it be pain that's unnecessary? a couple weeks ago I went to the dermatologist and um, we, you know, we've been going through some crazy health things in my family and, and so we're just trying to make sure that we're, we're as well taken care of as we can be responsible for and so um, I had put off going to the dermatologist for a long time and that's not good for somebody with uh, pasty pale white boy skin like me and so I decided I needed to go and I was a little nervous about it so I go into the office and it's the first time I've ever been to this particular dermatologist and I walk into the room and the nurse in there, she says, hey, take, take this gown and then take all your clothes off except your underwear and then put this gown on and just sit here and the doctor will be right in in just a second. She shouldn't be very long. And I'm like, well, this is awkward. This is a little uncomfortable. And so I do as she said and I just remember sitting there in this room in this amazing gown, feeling incredibly manly. And then the doctor comes in and she begins to examine. And she's checking th- areas and things on my body that I've never even looked at. I mean, she's, she's looking between my toes, I've never looked between my toes the way that she's looked between my toes. And I'm just like, man, this is crazy, this is uncomfortable. She found a few spots on my body that she was concerned about. She said, these are areas that we probably need to do something with. So what that meant was that she was gonna cut part of my flesh off of my body, but it was necessary. There was a purpose behind it. The purpose was, you're going to experience a little bit of pain, but I need you to understand this is so that you don't experience more pain down the road. Now, everything has come back fine. I'm good. But there was some pain involved during the examination, but also post-examination. But there was a purpose behind it to protect me. I believed that the pain was necessary in order to prevent greater pain and greater damage in my life down the road. We have to go into this idea and this reality of breakthrough, knowing that there may be pain involved. I mean, think about it this way. Maybe you're in a relationship uh, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and maybe you've even been together for a really long time, and you know that as you continue to move forward with this, the baggage is going to continue to pile on, and it's baggage that you'll carry potentially for the rest of your life. It could be incredibly painful, incredibly damaging, not just to you, but some of those that are closest to you breakthrough may be painful. The decision to make the break may be painful, but it may prevent you from experiencing much greater pain down the road. We have to realize that these things are real and realize that these things are all part of breakthrough. But I think it's important that we realize that. Verse 30 says, one part it's better to lose one part than the whole body experience pain. The, the, the truth of that is is that pain is not an option. We're gonna, we're gonna experience pain in this world. We all know that. We've all been around long enough and alive long enough to know that we're gonna experience heartache, we're gonna experience pain. But there's some limits we can put on that by recognizing a few things about breakthrough. Oftentimes we fool ourselves though and we think, you know what, I've not experienced any pain, I'm good. As I look at scripture and as I've lived life long enough, I know that that's not true forever. There's gonna be a point where I'm gonna experience pain. And I've gotta be careful. God's provided wisdom. He's given me insight. He's given me his word so that I can navigate this life in a way that potentially I could avoid significant pain caused by some of my foolish mistakes, some of my moments where I thought I never would, but I find myself in a place where I say I can't believe I. The real problem is not just on the surface. The real problem isn't um, that we've made some poor choices. The real problem is that we've got some brokenness at the core of who we are as human beings. It's part of our DNA. There's a brokenness inside of every single one of us taking breath on this earth. The good news is, is that that's why Jesus decided to pursue us by coming to this earth, living a perfect life, going to the cross, coming back to life on the third day after he was killed on the cross. That means something for us. It provides something for us. To help us understand this and see this, I wanna look at the life of Peter really quick. Peter was a, a disciple of Jesus, Peter was bold, he was um, sometimes prideful, he was energetic. I think Peter was incredibly competitive because you just see some things in his life. But there's also something important about Peter. Peter led the charge of the new church taking the message of Jesus throughout the whole world. But it, it wasn't always that way with Peter. We, we learn a little bit about Peter. We first kind of find out about Peter in Luke chapter five. Peter and his guys, they're hanging out. They're, they're, they're fishing out on the sea. Jesus shows up on the scene. They're not catching any fish. And Jesus looks at them, and look what it says in Luke chapter five, verse five. It says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. What did Jesus say? He said, hey, you need to throw your nets on the other side. Let down your nets, and then Jesus shows up and shows off and performs a miracle in this situation. But Peter recognized something about Jesus that was different. And it was a moment where Peter finally decided to start following Jesus. He started spending time with Jesus. Because you say so, I will. That's the life of a Jesus follower. Because you say so, I will. So Peter continues to spend time with Jesus. He begins to um, witness and observe the miracles and the things that Jesus is doing to change the lives of those that he comes and encountered with. And and sees amazing thing after amazing thing. Jesus gets to participate in a miracle when he walks on water. I mean, Peter's living an incredible life for about three years. Then the religious leaders of Jesus' day become aggravated. They become frustrated with Jesus. They become threatened by Jesus because he's, he's kind of pushing back on some of their religious tradition and so what do they want to do? They want to, they want to kill him. They want to take his life just as he predicted they would. And just before his arrest, he sits down with his disciples, Peter being in the, in the audience, and he says, guys, listen, they're going to take me. They're going to arrest me. I'm going to lose my life. And the truth of the situation for you guys is that you're all going to turn your backs on me. And what is Peter doing that moment? If you know the story, Peter, in that moment, in his boldness, and his competitiveness, in his I wanna be the best of of all the disciples, he says, no, 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 hang on, Jesus. I hear what you're saying and I don't like what you're saying but I need you to know that, that that's not gonna be me. All these other fools in the room may turn their backs on you but I'm not gonna turn my back on you, Jesus. And Jesus responds and he looks at him and he says, you're right, Peter. You're actually gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows. Now Peter's probably frustrated. He probably doesn't understand. He's like, man, there's, there's, no, there's no way. Jesus was arrested. He's beaten, he's shamed, he's mocked, he's put on the cross. But as all that's going on, you can read about this in, in scripture. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 26. In fact, there's a little girl that walks up to Peter and she's like, hey, you're tight with that guy, Jesus, that they just arrested, aren't you? And he goes, no. And she goes, no, no, yeah, you're, you're, you're one of his friends. No, I'm not. And in anger and rage, he looks at her a third time and says, I don't know who he is. Stop accusing me of being his friend. And then the rooster crows. And I gotta believe in that moment when the rooster crows, Peter wants to, he wants to just go crazy. He, he's gonna complete, he would have completely turned his back on Chick-fil-A in that moment and taken out that rooster but the seriousness of the situation is that he did exactly as Jesus predicted he would do. Jesus goes to the cross. Peter finds himself in a place where he's probably struggling. He's confused, wavering in his faith, uncommitted in his relationship with Jesus. He denied him three times, considered one of his closest friends. Ever been there? I'll never do that God, I'll never go back to that. God, I, I'm, I'm finished with this, this isn't who I am. Only to find yourself to go there, find yourself back there. God, I can't believe I'm back in this place. And maybe it's just a cycle that continues to happen in your life. It brings us to John chapter 21, Jesus has died, he's come back to life, the resurrection has happened, the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. Peter and his 10 closest friends, the disciples, discouraged, frustrated, confused. What do they do? Look what it says in verse three of John chapter 21. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Peter's saying, I don't know what else to do. I did exactly what I said I wouldn't do. I said I would never do that. And what does he do? He goes back to living the life that he lived before he met Jesus. Peter's in desperate need of a breakthrough in this moment. Verse four, says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Nobody likes that guy when they're not catching fish. Hey man, you catch any fish yet? No. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Remember, this has happened before. Jesus had already done this in their life. He's reminding them of who he is in this moment. And then look at what it says in verse 7. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped up his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Now, I'm just going to be real in this moment. If I'm Peter, that's probably not how I'm going to respond. Overwhelmed in my guilt, I'm thinking, man, I'm probably the last person Jesus wants to see. I totally turned my back on him in his lowest moment in life. But for some reason, Peter runs back. I mean, he, he jumps in the water to go after Jesus. I mean, it's a bizarre uh, situation. It's a bizarre happening, but I think there was a moment where Peter realized and he had this understanding where he said, you know what? There's Jesus, and he's come back to get me despite what I've done, and then he began to remember all the things before, life with Jesus, life following Jesus, life had purpose, life had meaning, life was full of miracles, there was breakthrough happening in his life and the lives of those that they came in contact with, and he remembered that. So he jumps back into the boat jumps back in the water to get to Jesus as fast as he can. Look what it says in verse 15. Several verses later, they're having breakfast. Jesus and Peter have a conversation. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then it continues on. He asks him again, Do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, and he says, feed my lambs. And he asks him a third time, do you love me, Peter? And Peter's in frustration, a little agitated, doesn't understand, why are you repeating the question? He says, yes, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs. Why does he ask him three times? I think it's important for Peter to be able to look back on what he had done, look back on that season of his life, and then realize what Jesus had done, and how Jesus came back to get him anyways. In the darkest point of his life, in the moment where he needed the greatest breakthrough, he didn't have to go find Jesus, Jesus came and found him. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter says, yes, I love you. And I think Jesus wants Peter to see, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter who you've been and how much you hate who you've been, I'm chasing after you anyways. Do you love me? And Peter, overwhelmed with the goodness and the love of Jesus, says, I love you. And look what it says in the, at the end of verse 19. It says, then he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Breakthrough is following Jesus. From this point forward, Peter's life never looked the same. It never looked the same, it looked different from this point forward. Peter begins to share the message of Jesus. In the verse, just before verse 19, Jesus predicts that Peter's gonna die. He tells him how he's gonna die. He's gonna be crucified and yet Peter, regardless, he continues to follow Jesus all out. It was drastic, it was painful, it was permanent, it was limiting, his life was gonna look different but he realized that all of that was better than where he had found himself by choosing to satisfy and trust himself. And so he goes all in, he trusts Jesus with his life. I wanna close with this story that I read several years ago about a a girl named Tiffany. And Tiffany had uh, grown up in church, she had an understanding and a knowledge of who Jesus was And she had grown up kind of participating in the things of church and just kind of going with the flow and then she got into college and she says in her story that she just kind of went crazy. She kind of really enjoyed the college scene. She was um, hanging out with all kinds of different people, really partying it up. She was um, hooking up with guys and it it was just a crazy, bizarre season where she was making choices based on whatever felt right in the moment. And then there was a day where some of her friends said, hey, we want you to go to this event with us. And so she said, all right, cool, that sounds fun. I'll do that, that sounds good. So she goes to this event, and at this event, she meets this guy, and she says in her story that this was like the perfect guy. He was handsome, he was about to graduate and already had a great job locked up. He was just that guy, he was the, the total package. He was also a committed follower of Jesus, And she was just in awe that she had the opportunity to meet a guy like this. And they had conversation and they enjoyed each other's company and she she couldn't wait to get back from the Christmas break that she was about to go on so that they could maybe hang out again and get to know each other. So over the Christmas break, she gets home and she begins to tell her mom, mom, I've met the the most wonderful man. She tells her all about him, tells tells her all about how great he is and everything that he's accomplished and everything he's going going to accomplish and how much she wants to get to know him. And then her mom looks at her And she said, Tiffany, I'm excited for you that you met a man like that, and that you know that a man like that out there exists. But sweetheart, I'm not sure a man like that is looking for a woman like you. And she said in that moment, her initial reaction in the first couple seconds was anger, and then she quickly realized that her mom was speaking truth to her. And she said she fell to her knees and began to weep, because she, had gotten to a place where she hated who she was. All right, and then she continues on, and, and I wonder if this is the moment for some of us tonight. She got to that place, and she described it as a defining moment in her life where she said, I'm no longer gonna do things for myself. I'm gonna wholly, fully, completely trust Jesus and breakthrough began to happen in her life. Yeah, she had to navigate through some messy things from her past, but she was confident in the plan that God had for her life moving forward from there.